if an artist has an idea, no matter how bad it sounds or whatever, or just like ridiculous or like, just do it. Because nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, it's going to open up this whole new, new thing. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. Soda's a rare commodity. Not many people drink soda on the show. Not many people drink soda in general anymore. I'm all into the soda now. now? Not so much the alcohol. Okay. You know all what right. I mean? I got you. So. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. That's why I keep both in the fridge. Got to have something for everybody. It's professional. Yeah. So for anybody out there that doesn't know who I'm sitting next to right now, to my left is... The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Koshute. Make some noise for the internet. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, everybody. Please, 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 please calm down. Everybody. The studio audience is a little rambunctious today. Oh, my gosh. So, Dan, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's 2020. It is 2020. Finally. Another year. Longtime friend I met about two minutes ago downstairs. Yes. Have Friends we ever played life. a show or anything together? I feel together? like we may have. Maybe yeah. back in the day. Who knows? Anything's possible. I think I think that you are probably very similar to me. We're Pittsburgh-based musicians. We've probably played in more projects than we care to reminisce or right. talk about. And as yeah. we enter a new a new decade, shall we? Let's start off on a on a clean slate. I'm ready. Let's not let's not dig too much into nostalgia. But some people got to know why you're here. So let's start there. What's the deal, Dan? What do you do? Well, I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, guitar player. That is me. Rock and roller. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, the the singer-songwriter tag gets put onto, you know, typically things that aren't as like rock driven is what I'm familiar with you doing right, is, right. but you also may have like a singer-songwritery side, and I guess every song starts somewhere. I just hate, I hate that, that term, but there's no other way to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've tried saying singer song maker, but people are like, what the <laughs> hell is that? But I'm like, I'm just trying to do anything besides use what that, that it's connotation like, it's like is. Telling people you're a pescatarian. Right. It's like, what? Right. <laughs> Pardon me? So, but I mean, like, I think, I think of the way that I think of uh, singer songer, it's way more broad than you know what what it's come to mean like i think prince is a he's sure he's like singer songwriter you know yeah. Jimi hendrix or something like that you know? fair enough you're you're 100 correct but yeah the the singer songwriter as a genre has kind of uh it's become a a nicer way to say well not necessarily a nicer way but a different way of saying just like indie folk or right 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 americana or whatever because you know nobody wants to be americana anymore because right. everybody hates america or whatever it's, right you know bad so i don't know you don't want to wear that on your sleeve yeah in the wrong crowds yeah yeah well anyways you booed what's about america even yeah. though we are in america currently 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 in america 2020 uh you put out a album a self-titled not a self-titled a self-released like solo project yes. a couple years ago mm-hmm. and what you've been up to recently Since well then. i'm writing music to uh for my next release and uh i'm kicking around 
different ideas for it. Uh, one thing I wanted to do for as long as I could remember is make like a double album, Ooh. even though that doesn't really exist now. Like two, you know, CD. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Uh, you log into your Spotify account, then you right. have to sign out and sign back in to yes, listen to you the second shut part. Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, actually, you know, with with the playlist that people are making, there's like you know sometimes well over what would be like an album's worth of of songs. So it's almost it's almost right for it now. We to put out a lot of material, and I've always made records almost like a calling card like a business card like here's what i can do like if anyone would want to work with me like further and i only have limited resources and so i've i've kind of curtailed my expression in that way in terms of albums but now i really don't want to do that anymore like because i'm i'm the type of artist like i write all the material yeah that was gonna be my next question was yeah. like what the writing process was like for you yeah it's just it's um just all comes from me and like it's all fully formed. I, you know, I don't have any group writing or anything like that. So, um, always, I write a, I've kind of trained myself to write a lot, just trust myself after a while and make a lot of demos in the process. And so that's why something like just putting all this material out instead of being like, Oh, here's my best eight when I had like a ton more that I could have put out, but I didn't want to like, I don't know. I got you. Just, just throw, throw it all elbows. Out. Just, just yeah. throw it. Just throw it all out there. Right. The, I, I'm very much the same way in the sense of it's very rare for me to work on anything that doesn't get released unless it's like it just doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, if a song gets finished in some capacity, I'll probably release it. Even if I know it's dog shit, I'll probably find an excuse to put it out. Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing about where we are now. You could just you could just release it. There's no there's no yeah. nothing in between. Yeah, you know, like sometimes weird things happen. Like, oh, this will just be like a backing beat in like a video that I make, or like, uh, right. you know, some something random video for like, a, oh, we're playing a show and I want to throw some music in it. Like, you'll find some, a use. Here's some bullshit track, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fun to be able to use everything outside of the music production, singer songwriter stuff. Do you do anything else creative, or do you mostly focus on music stuff? I write poetry. Um, that's one thing I would like to do this year is uh you know over the last 10 years i've put aside like my best stuff and you know it doesn't it's i don't think of it in the same way i think of music you know like music is like my main thing and um it's not really close but at the same time it's still something that i do sure and um i've never really wanted to put anything out for one reason or another because i'm just like ah you know why i got this music you know i don't need to distract myself but this is the year I'm going to try to like everything that I put aside over the last 10 years, put out as a book. So also uh, I've acted in a few things, which I haven't done in a while. And uh, I was in a feature film that my, uh, my friend made called I'm a stranger here myself. And I actually made the soundtrack for that too. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds, cool. but I would like to do that again. Yeah. Whenever you were making a soundtrack, did it operate more as like a score? Or did you write like just, rock songs for it well uh, i kind of wrote them as the character because the, the character okay. was it almost like i was writing them from the character or like inspired by the character yeah the character was a musician and um it was an opportunity to make music that i would never release kind of like what you were saying just like just putting stuff out there like f for me i this was even beyond that it was like i wouldn't even have the time to like write in this way or something because it was so different but it's stuff that i love like 
it was kind of in the style of like replacements and okay. like you know 80s uh you know american underground rock and pop punk even yeah and uh so it wasn't really like a score the way i titled the album was they used only like a few songs i wrote like a whole album um but i released it uh as music for the film i'm I gotcha. strange to hear myself instead of music from the film like yeah like i wrote it for it and uh i didn't want to release that either but I felt I felt like it was good stuff, and this I should be proud of it, and like I am, I am now. At the time, I was like, ah, I wrote it in 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 character almost. So I was like, I don't I don't know what to make of this. That's but. a fun exercise, though, to be able to like step outside of yourself and just approach music from yeah, like some like you know, it's obviously you because you're writing the songs. But I feel like this is a thing that I've gone into with the music that I make is where everything's like super personal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like every song is a reflection of whatever's happening in my life. So the end result ends up being a lot of material. that feels and sounds the same because like as a person, like I haven't really changed a whole lot, right. You know, over the course of time here and there, but yeah. not in like nuanced enough ways to like really like, I don't know, like tell wildly off the cuff stories. But then I joined a metal band and I was like, hell yeah, I'm just going to write all like science fiction and all this like obscure stuff that, you know, it's like, it's already completely over the top bullshit. So yeah. it's like fucking just like, let's really drive it home. And it was like really easy and fun. And it felt completely different. 100% different writing something for that than I would for my normal solo material, just based off the material alone. That's a legitimate creative device is to write. But what I've found out through other reading about some of my heroes, it's like, you know, they hit a creative wall and then they found themselves writing in a different voice and it like opened up a whole new, and it's like, boom, all of a sudden mm-hmm. creative. Again. I kind of felt the same way uh, or, or felt that the power of that freedom um, in the, previous band that i was in dazzle teen and it was almost like playing a character and uh that was cool but it was almost it was too it, it was almost too intense like because it was i don't know like i felt like it took so much of my energy sure too much it wasn't it wasn't like a device anymore it was like a whole like a method acting type of thing like a brought it brought it with me on the streets sure so. i could see that what was your role in that band i was the singer okay lead guitar player nice so it was very much like i guess like if you're like fronting this other project and you're like playing a character in that project i can imagine it's very much like you know it's like on stage it's one thing and then maybe like if you're playing around people that don't know you personally they're probably like oh this is you like you are this person right and it's like okay now am I this person? I don't know. Like, do I have to act like this? Like, am I breaking character? Honestly, all that came true and it kind of turned into a nightmare because I didn't really, after a while, I was like, I didn't really like the character. I didn't like where it was taking me. I call it a character. I never was explicit about that, but I thought I was, but I don't think so. Sure. Well, I think that there's a thing like with, you know, some elements of rock and performance art where like everybody's some form of an exaggerated form of themselves on stage. Well, I guess not everybody, but some people are. And mm-hmm. if you're doing something that's like a little bit more over the top and flashy and just kind of like, yeah, look at me. Like you are very much like kind of a caricature of right. yourself on stage, but there are people that don't know you that may expect you to be like that. 
mm-hmm. all the time. And that can be incredibly exhausting. Yeah. You know, like there's people that, I mean, no, don't take anybody that sees me out in public. Please feel free to come up to me and talk to me. But like, if I'm like just out, I'm like a spirit or something. Right. And I run into you and I'm like having a drink. Like, I don't want to talk about your fucking social media. Right. Like algorithms and stuff like that right now. Just because I like talk about like music business and art and stuff all the time. I also like to just like chat do nothing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's talk about like fucking, you know, Star Wars and Sega Genesis or something dumb, like whatever. Right. Anything but the music thing all the time. Right. Got to take a break from it. Exactly. Outside of, you know, the poetry and the music and just creating in general. Yeah. What is your life like? The normal day to day of a Dan Koshut day um <laughs> well uh the producing has been my my day job um i'm actually one of your guests i'm producing producing his record michael miracles nice yeah, yeah. so uh that's kind of been a it, it's it's kind of a been a dream come true you know what's so funny is i didn't know that connection but knowing his music and your music it makes so much sense it's mm-hmm. just like two peas in a fucking pod right there just yeah. that like just that like very just like flamboyantly unashamed rock and roll. Yeah. That's just like, it's a rare thing. Like there's like, I mean, obviously there's people that are doing it, but when you look at like, did you see the uh, billboard chart of like the, um, the top 10 rock songs of the past decade that they released? It's, I mean, whatever. I'm not here to talk a shit on, you know, the state of what rock and roll is nowadays, but it's just as it's, I don't know. Didn't, I like. I miss. For you. I miss the like, like rock and roll being just like, you know, like badass people with like fucking attitudes and Gigi Allen. No, I don't necessarily miss Gigi Allen, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like yeah. you know, like uh, just, there was just like this ego to rock and roll, and just very much like the concept of being a rock star. And mm-hmm. I like, I don't know, I miss that. But like, I grew up like, you know, watching. Iron Maiden VHS tapes and right. you know listening to like Led Zeppelin with my dad and shit like that and it's just like that like that's yeah. like fucking rock and roll to me not like I don't know I know what you mean there's like not there's not stories and like narratives of like in like a like a heroic way about the bands anymore and that's kind of what we wanted to try to do with my previous band Dazzletines like we tried to create like that almost like a myth or something. Yeah, like the gimmick of it is fun. Like the only, it's like, there's some bands that are still doing it. Like if you're familiar with Ghost, they're like, they're, they they do like the, they kind of like just like psychedelic rock, metal. They're, they have their little shtick. And then you got like Slipknot. Yeah. Where are the other gimmick bands? I need more gimmick bands. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand it's a lot of fucking work. And also like, I think too, maybe with, the social media stuff people just kind of want like real people maybe i don't know i don't know what the kids want these days <sighs> it's so hard to pin down <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of social media i'm kind of for this project and what i'm doing now i'm kind of disconnecting almost going the opposite direction because it's just it got so noxious for me over the last few years you know what i'm saying in terms of like what i'm doing it fits it fits for some people but for what I'm doing now, it's not really that, yeah, not that important. I find myself just not caring. Just do it, and yeah. that's just it. Like I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I understand that it's important and I talk about it a lot on the show, but with like me and myself, I mean, obviously I promote the show when I put it out, but right. like, I don't sweat it and I'm not like trying to update my fucking Instagram stories all the time. Yeah. I'm not downloading TikTok anytime soon or whatever the new cool apps is. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. You're not like, making not, noise on TikTok? No, I'm not. And I, I it's, I don't know. I think that like I'm just kind of happy with where I am and I just want to like make art and just kind of like put it out and if people interact with it cool. Like I'm not going to That's where I'm at. I don't want to sweat over like oh well, you know, if I have the album cover look this certain way, I need to use a certain color palette so it contrasts on Spotify's background and more people look at it. Right. Like that kind of like <laughs> people think like they get so deep into like worrying about all of these things. So they'll listen to their music and it's just like, bro or bro at whatever, whatever you are, just write a good fucking song to me. That's and the most important thing. People will, if it's good, people will gravitate towards it. That's kind of the only thing I give a shit about is not even good, great songs. Do you know what I mean? Songs that strike me as great. Everything else. I don't, I don't even like like music outside of that. If you, if I really get down to it, but like the other thing too is like I don't understand like there's a lot of like this attitude now where with going into movies people will be like oh I saw that movie like it wasn't the best thing ever but it was fine or people will hear a new album like oh it wasn't it wasn't like the best but it was fine and it's like why does why do things have to be the best why does every new thing that you engage with know. have to be the best why can't things just be good yeah like I, I <laughs> you, you touched on something that I thought about a lot over the last few years where I kind of had like a break in my psychology where I was like, I like everything. I can say that I, one thing might be better than something else, but I can still like it the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I like, like bands now that have been around for a long time, you know, that old cliche where there's, they make, you know, records many decades later and people are like, what the fuck? Like, this is nothing like, this but i'm like holy shit this is awesome like i'm that guy at at their shows like buying the records like oh man i gotta see him here and, and people are just like oh, this is a joke like they used to they used to be this or what i'm like they're making music now they they're walking the earth right now and you know i can't like this is an opportunity to just see where they're going like follow yeah. their i think trajectory. it's yeah it's fun. i was literally just talking with this with somebody uh, about uh, like how important it is for like old artists to come back and like how much of a shit we should give and how much of a shit we shouldn't give. He made a funny point about how like he just doesn't like Star Wars anymore because he feels like it was done when it was done for him. And he doesn't care that they keep on making new movies. You mean like the original yeah. three? Yeah. He's like, he's like, I, he's like, that was it for me. Like, that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. and like i didn't I, it's like i didn't need more i didn't ask for it so i just don't engage with it and i think like that could be kind of uh put on to maybe some artists that come back and then put out stuff that nobody asked for like somebody in here recently showed me this newer paul mccartney song mm -hmm. that's like very like modern uh like electronic pop rock yeah and uh i don't know if you had heard it or not but I I and uh I, it was it, it sounds like ed sheeran wrote it Wow. And it's like, okay, like it's cool that Paul McCartney's still out here doing the thing. I'd rather him be alive than not alive. But also, like, who, who is this made for? 
who's like you, make me you, sound like ed sheeran you'd probably have to hear the song but it's very much like what is this just it's very strange <laughs> it's very very strange sometimes you don't even know if that's what they're trying to you know what i mean like are they are they yeah. fucking with you well, yeah. like you know what i mean it, it, that's the other thing that's hard to say too because you don't know maybe they just genuinely like new music you know paul mccartney the you know one of the granddaddies of pop rock pop music in general easily and you know who's to say that he's just still not interested in the evolution of pop music and contributing to what pop music is today in 2019 or 2020 i'll give you a perfect example of an artist i think who totally personifies that idea is bob dylan even now people are like what the f-? a sinatra a three disc sinatra <laughs> record of covers not only did he do one he came back and did a, a triple album of sinatra covers Everybody's like, what the f-? And Bob Dylan, it's not like he has like a classically, like, <laughs> you know, especially now. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh my God. But then again, you got to think like, that's kind of like the genius of it. It's just like, just making, and he made like a, a Christmas song, like uh, Must Be Santa a few years back. <laughs> and everybody was just like shocked and appalled. But I was like, I think this is genius. And I saw him on stage at the, uh, at the Peterson in 2007 with my friend uh and like his stage show was just that embodied like the embodiment of that of that vibe like he's just doing his thing there was like a like a big banner of like a cannabis leaf just like <laughs> and i was like what like people were like what is happening but you got to think like that's that's kind of like in a lot of ways equivalent to what he was doing in the sixties where people are like, you know, when he turned electric, people are like, this is fucking, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. He, he, people are still pushing the, the envelope some ways, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's cool to see that. I had no idea that Bob Dylan put out a three disc Frank Sinatra cover album. It's actually amazing. <laughs> like it's, it's incredible. <clears throat> like Frank Sinatra is just one of the greats, you know? And uh, his whole thing was like the songwriting is brilliant and like the articulation and like the, and if you just get into those songs, like he's a master at covering songs and he's a master of great songwriting and he kind of zeroed in on that and shine the spotlight on it. It's like when you take a, like a hip hop song and then you make it like an acoustic singer songwriter song or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's just really raunchy lyrics and then you play it and it's like shocking, but it's also like a cool perspective to look on it. Look yeah. At it, you know, and it's cool when it can work because it really speaks to the power of the actual song. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of stuff, I think, in modern production where um, regardless of the style of music, I think that you should be able to like strip it down to either like, you know, one instrument and yeah. a person and be able to get the, the rhythm, chord and melody going so you're like, oh, this is the song. And then if you want to throw a bunch of distortion and effects on it, that's cool. Or if you want yeah. to put a bunch of, you know, run it all through MIDI synthesizers and do that sort of thing, whatever. But it's like, do you actually have a song here? Right. I wholeheartedly agree. I, I feel like the greatest songs in the world, you could play them with just one person singing it or like a fife or something like that, you know? Like think of like Amazing Grace, which to me, I think it's like the greatest song ever written. Um. You know, how, you how many different... You don't think the greatest song ever written was Sandstorm by Da Rude? Uh, okay, sorry. Second greatest <laughs> song. Uh, but, uh, 
or shares life after love? Man, that is a they're just knock, knocking Amazing Grace <laughs> off the <laughs> off its uh, high horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's what I wanted to do on the record too. I wanted to kind of like craft my songwriting in a way that pared it down to its essential elements, and I didn't. I didn't. Tr- I like the style of production where you're not saving the song with production. You save the song with the energy and the performance and the actual songwriting. But you don't save it like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna add, uh, uh, you know, dude. Literally every single time I've had to work on a song and like find a way to improve it, I would say not every single time, but probably nine times out of ten, I improve things by taking things away. Yeah, it's never adding. Truly, yeah. There's always it's so easy, especially as somebody that's cause I self produce all my stuff too. Yeah. So I mean, it's you know three forty five in the morning. I've been working on a fucking track for hours and it's so easy especially with the the access that i have to just be like oh you know like what is this plugin gonna sound like what is this gonna sound like what about this what about that let's add some layers let's add some harmonies let's do you know like Mm -hmm. go fucking nuts and then all of a sudden you have this like it's like not every track needs to be bohemian rhapsody just fucking it's like back it off it's like that saying where it's where uh sergeant peppers was made with a four track and or an eight track or something like that. I think it's a four track uh, tape machine. And, you know, that's there's a lot of wisdom in that in that statement, because at first you're just like, oh, OK, yeah, like you don't need 24 or 48 tracks to make a genius record. But also it's stands now with those four tracks that they use to make that album. It stands against something made today with 200 tracks oh sure you know what i'm saying yeah so it's like the perfect like only the essentials even with in again it speaks to the power of the song yeah again like sometimes especially with because i mean i do mostly hip-hop and electronic music production so yeah. it's so easy to lose sight of like how many layers and things are going on in the track so like i try to make it a habit of though even though i'm not making rock songs yeah really I come from a rock music background. So I just try to think of the fundamentals like, okay, like, you know, okay, so this is like representing the bass and that could go like one or two melody parts, like one or two guitar parts. Yeah. I have my drums and maybe like, like, you know, a little keyboard thing or something over there. But like, if I have more than that much going on at once, let's, let's look at actually what's happening in my mix here and how much of this is actually important. Yeah, sure. It might all sound cool together, but it's also like completely unnecessary. Yeah, I've heard that the human ear could only can only concentrate on three elements at once. Oh, you believe that? Yeah. yeah, So like, it's kind of something you could use in mixing. Um, I think that's what they were talking about. Some some uh, famous mixer, Uh, Sir Mix a Lot. Sir Mix a Lot. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh but anyways, uh Sir Mixlove was saying uh <laughs> <laughs> three things at once. Yeah, three things yeah. at once. Uh so it's like you may have other elements, but like focus on three, you know, because there could be things in, happening in the background, you know. But but like always think of like three, you know. Yeah, at once at any given second of like introducing something. That's what I, I try to do that. Yeah, I think I, I always like to cool approach songs with like I, I when I write a song, I think of it as a roller coaster mm-hmm. in terms of like the dynamics and like, you know, building things up, like dropping people down. Yeah, 
Thunderbolt. Hell yeah. Best coaster at Kennywood. Don't get me started. I'm starting. That's Ke- easily I'm starting the best. A, I'm starting a Kennywood vlog. Are you serious? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping. I'm dropping this right now just because it came up. So everybody knows. Yes. Keep an eye out this summer. The double dip. It's going to be the start the beat. Kennywood special. I'm doing a whole thing. Can I be on that about yeah. the Thunderbolt? That's my favorite roller coaster in the world. Nice. Are you a, a roller coaster no. enthusiast or you just happen to like that one? I just happen to like that one. It's it's uh I mean I've been on a God knows how many. I, but. I, I I like roller coasters a lot. My uh I keep telling people whenever you know the music thing doesn't quite work anymore. My old man hobby is going to be joining one of those roller coaster enthusiast groups wow. that ride the buses and go to all the theme parks. And I'm going to collect and build model trains in my house. Go for it. That's my like. That's my retirement goals, if you will. Not that I'm in a career that anyone actually retires from. Just dropping, dropping knowledge about the future. Here. Yeah. Just letting people know. Kennywood vlog. And uh, yeah, I fucking love roller coasters. But anyways, with that being said, I tend to think of writing songs in that format. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like the idea of concentrating on only a few things at once as if you're like also when you're riding a roller coaster, you can't you're not paying attention to all the foundations and the things that are holding up the track. Right. But obviously without those things you have no roller coaster. So that's kind of the way a song is too. Like you may not be so focused on the beat. You just have a good sturdy backbeat. Yeah. It's not crazy important. It's not the focus of the ride. The ride wouldn't be the ride without it. But you have all those other things that make it fun to help it work. And then you have the dynamics of the song. Yeah. Loud parts, quiet parts, exciting parts, sad parts, angry parts. Yeah. Emotion. Yeah. I love it. Just like the original Steel Phantom where if you weren't prepared, you get your head jostled. Around. Oh, yeah. But if you were a pro, you knew to put your head on the side. Yeah. You know, so on the- I, just got, I just got this in the mail. Uh, I got an original Steel Phantom t-shirt. I had one. I lost it. Which one did you have? Oh, damn. I don't know. It was like the the Phantom himself. Okay, it's just like the like, logo of the the Steel with, Phantom. Yeah, with the with the thing. Yeah. yeah what, what's this one? So the one that I have has that on it, but it says Survivor. Wow. And then it uh, has like the Guinness Book of World Records stats for it. Whew. There's another Steel Phantom shirt that I'm trying to find. Here, I'll, I'll show you. I'm gonna show you a picture of this real quick. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna pull it up. I could pull this up on the internet. And I could pull it up on the screen so everybody else can see it. All right. So I posted this to my Instagram recently, and this is actually a good opportunity um, since there's a you know a big Pittsburgh audience here for the show. If you or anybody out there maybe has this shirt in their closet, let me know. Uh, I will take it literally in quite any size, but a larger XL would be exceptional, <laughs> so I could actually wear it. But yeah. I would just love to have one of these things. Uh, so it is an original steel phantom shirt and it is fucking gnarly. I'm, uh, I'm pulling it up now. So, uh, this is it. Wow. I've never seen that. That's amazing. Hell yeah. Experience the power. I've, you see, I didn't know he had like the ripped legs and the, yeah, I wasn't, that. I wasn't aware that, that he was such a tough boy. No, I thought he was like a like you know you never really saw him, but you get good a look at him right there. You know? Yeah, yeah. So if anybody has this shirt or knows anybody that has this fucking shirt, I'm trying to find one. I've been keeping an eye on him online, and uh, yeah. So with all of my that's beautiful. Yes. So what yeah. a great roller coaster. Yeah, I'm so happy that 
any opportunity to talk about that roller coaster is is time well spent. The fan I don't I don't have enough of. Yeah, yeah. The Phantom was great, and I will definitely invite you to Kennywood. With I love me. that. I was thinking it would be fun to do like there's like I mean I just want to do like a straight up vlog slash like history of Kennywood through the lens of you know my mid thirties dumbass and not necessarily like you know all nice and proper. So I have some questions and I want them answered. Like what? About Kennywood. Oh, I can't spoil anything. Okay. But I will say this. There's one other thing that I'm looking for. So, you know, uh, Laughing Sal at Kennywood. So she has a lot of sisters across the country. I didn't know this. Um, There's only there's only a handful that are still active. Oh, okay. But um, when they were originally built, um, the way that her laugh operated was actually a, a on 78s, like a stack of 78 records that played and then it would automatically like a jukebox inside just a record of straight laughing and then it would go to the next one. Then once it was done, they had to reset it. But now all of them have been uh, replaced with modern technology, just kind of like an MP3 loop or whatever's going on to create the laughter. But I'm a big record collector and those records are somewhere. So I want one of the laugh and sal Talk about 78s <laughs> with just the stupid cackle. That's like goals. And then you could sample that shit. Oh, yeah. Know? Wow. That would be fucking tight. I would love that. Slow it down. It's just like <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. Like there's people that, you know, collect rare Star Wars things or, right. you know, fucking sick guitar pedals, Japanese boss pedals and shit like that or right. whatever. And Silver it's like, screw me. It's like, no, I just want old Kennywood t-shirts like I'm so fucking Jerry's lame. records. If you have this. <laughs> oh, yo, Jerry's a good person to ask Jerry. I only recently found out about the laugh and sound things because like when I started doing this, I started got the idea to do this Kennywood thing just in the past couple months. So I've started to do a bunch of research and uh, it came up just recently. So I was looking online for one. I couldn't find one. Not that I expected it to be online, but yeah. Wow. That's got to be super rare. Oh, they, they there can't be that. There can't be that many of them. I right. think that I had read that each one had like maybe like only a dozen records in it. Mm. And there was less than a hundred of those things floating around the country. Most of them probably just got thrown out like, oh, yeah. we don't need this anymore. Right. Who's going to want this? Yeah. <laughs> Some 35 year old in 2020 is going to yeah. be willing to pay a lot of money for this. Nope. Right. Toss Trash. it. Do you have any sort of like collecting or weird things that you're into like that hmm. any hobbies outside of uh collecting i used to collect records when i had a record player but not in the way that like record collecting where you're like oh i'm gonna find this rare record or like i want to get basically my dream record collection of like you know whatever i really want to listen to on yeah my favorite thing was it's such a format of from a time where you it was like they tried to sell you shit just by like the images on it and stuff and and it didn't really convey what was going on so it's like a it's a it's a medium where like just you could look at something and be like i don't know what the fuck this is gonna be yeah you know and then you're but but i want to hear what's on this you know Mm -hmm. i want to have whatever this is you know it could be like samba music or whatever 
And uh, I used to just find, I go to Jerry's and weird classical shit. Like, just, I love that. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm very much, I don't do it anymore because I just don't have the space in my, like, concept of consuming materialistic things has really shifted in the past yeah. five years of my life, thankfully. But uh, yeah, I used to love just going to Jerry's or going to thrift stores and just, you know, find a couple obscure records and just like, I've never heard of this. I can't find barely anything about it on the internet. This is just some weird artifact that exists. But yeah. somebody put a lot of time and energy into this. Like, it right. takes a lot of work to put an album together. Even yeah. if it's bad yeah. in the long run, somebody still put a lot of exactly. heart and soul into this. So I like yeah. want to engage with this like forgotten thing. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much the the vibe, like the energy. It's just you're holding this crystallized thing from this from the culture, like an artifact. And like, especially when they you're like, you know, you're picking it up secondhand. It's like, you know, at some point in time, somebody obviously put all the energy into making these songs. And then somebody took this ridiculous photo or made this ridiculous artwork. And then somebody convinced somebody to manufacture these things. And then yeah. they went into a store and then somebody bought it and somebody else listened to it before you had it. And it's like the whole story of like these ridiculous things. is just like, I don't know. It's beautiful. Yeah. The obscurity and the mystery behind like why this exists, why somebody ever bought it in the first place. And like now it's in my hands. Right. So weird. Yeah. It's like it reminds me of I'm reading this book called Astral Weeks uh, about the Van Morrison album Uh, came out in 1968. One of my favorite albums. And it's also about the Boston scene, rock scene at that time, which is largely forgotten. Kind of like what we're talking about, these random records that are just like roaming the earth in bins, thrift stores, or, you know, used record shops or whatever, just largely forgotten until people pick them up. There's, like, so many bands, like, ridiculous bands from the era of the psychedelic. There's a band uh, they talk about called Ultimate Spinach, which I've never heard before. Bands like that. Hell, yeah. You're just like, damn, I want... (laughs) That's fucking cool, you know? Yeah. But they're just, like, lost to history almost, and it's kind of cool. You're you're just, like, doing archaeology whenever you go to like Goodwill or Jerry's or something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably going to be amazing. Like whatever you find, like going back to what we were saying, like liking something, you know, it, not saying that you could say that something's better than this, but but liking it just the same. Uh, usually if you see a record that you're just like, man, this is, this is crazy. It's got it's to be nuts. It's usually going to be amazing yeah, in its I, own way. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, I think it's just like liking things because they exist. And maybe also... Um, the way that I listen to and engage with music is so different now from the times when I was just a kid because like I it's like that behind the curtain mentality where wizard behind the walls. Yeah, I'm very much like I mean, even outside of like playing in a band, it's like, you know, like my day job is like, you know, helping pr- manufacture and produce records and doing graphic design and layouts for people like that stuff that I've been doing for a very long time. So like, you know, whenever I'm like, see like ridiculous album artwork and I'm like yeah. looking at like crazy text layouts and like, yeah. just I'm like, this is, you know, it connects with me in a way just because my brain's like trained to think about things that maybe some other people don't. And then like much like when I, I'll put the record on and it's like, oh, I can't believe in 1964, this was a passable snare drum tone. Right, right, right. And like, get into that, <laughs> and, like yeah. things like that. But it's also like if I like if it sounded any different, like if those songs sounded modern, would they sound as good as they do 
recorded in that way? You know, like it's, it's a hard question to ask. That reminds me another, another quote that I like as far as production. It's better to sound new than good. Okay. There's something to that. It kind of reminds me of that. I don't know. Just, huh. just yeah. That. Because good usually means you're a part of whatever the zeitgeist is. It's going to be, I mean, in five years, it's yeah. sound like, oh, that's so 2010s. Uh, I've had this thing where, um, so I've been recording my own music for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, um, for whatever reason, like I will somehow stumble across something from like ages ago. Yeah. And I'll just listen to it. And there's been stuff that I've listened to that is, you know, textbook fundamentally produced wrong. Oh, wrong. Like it's just, it's nothing's like, you know, like the levels are bad. Limiting is fucked. Like nothing's like, it's not mastered properly in any way. Right. You know, but it sounds so cool and unique. And it's like, it's like unhinged. There's like yeah. almost like a punk rock thing to it yeah. where it's like, I would never be able to replicate that sound now because I can't fucking sit down with a mix without opening up, you know, all of the, all the plugins and like, you know, trying right. to get everything. Like my brain's like, it needs to fit these certain parameters. Yeah, so I try like, to like keep that, like that, like that, that ignorance is bliss in mind, even when doing new mixes now and try to make it like, this doesn't have to be perfect. It's just like, does it sound good? Don't look so much at the screen. Don't look at the meters. Don't, you know, right. just close my eyes and just listen to it. Like, is this Don't mix right? with your eyes. Yeah. Listen with your ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And like you, there's something to that where like you just making something like that, whatever, whatever it is, art, just with the best intentions of like, you're just putting all you have into it right now. Like the knowledge is, secondary what i'm trying to do is make something that moves me that's going to that's going to translate you know i'm a firm believer in that did you when you were getting into production did you go to school or have any formal training no um at uh my high school uh mount lebanon high school there was like a music technology um class which i did one and two and then that was it but at that point it was like it just introduced you to like you know, uh, the concepts of, of, uh, digital recording. And this was like, Oh five. So Oh six. So it was right at that, that point where, where it was like the handoff of, of, uh, you know, it's now in the hands of like people all over the world to yeah. finally make their own stuff in their, in their house or what, with whatever they have. So it was right at the cutting edge of that. And it's like, you know, my people, my age coming up, it's, that was kind of like the only way to do it. And like, and to make it sound good was, was, a, uh, you know, people, people frowned upon going into a studio for the longest years, the longest time, um, that, that I would talk to just do it yourself, you know, but, uh, so there's a lot of recordings in my past that have that, like what you're saying, where it's like, oh man, this, this sounds like the sounds themselves are terrible, mm-hmm. but like, it's a timeless work that i'm proud of because it's it has me in it yeah it's not it's not you know commercialized or like watered down that like gave it to somebody make it sound make it sound current or something like that it was just me like like almost like just putting whatever i had in sure it's like the sonic equivalent of those little like clay handprints that 
they made kids do yeah. like grade school yeah. and like you have it like wow i can't believe my hand used to be that small right yeah i can't believe my mixes used to be this fucking trash right right but it's fine you you learn and you grow and you know speaking on that uh you know oh uh, you should do everything yourself don't work in a studio mentality my whole perspective was you know i, I don't think it matters if you record in a bedroom or a huge studio but if you are going to be working with somebody else like a, a producer or an engineer like make sure that they're actually a good fit for what you're trying to achieve and that you're on the same page yeah i've heard of, i've heard people talk about recording experiences they've had where the person's just they come up with an idea like you know i want to do this and they'll be like nah that's not gonna that's not gonna sound cool rick rubin i have all these quotes man but uh rick rubin once said if an artist has an idea no matter how bad it sounds or whatever or just like ridiculous or like just do it because nine times out of ten if not ten out of ten it's going to open up this whole new new thing you know um so just trying ideas and having the freedom to just have that democratic sense of like, yeah, let's do that. You know, we're all, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I couldn't, if somebody told me, you know, I don't want to do that. I was going to, I'd be like, fuck you, man. Like, yeah. this, is, this is dumb. Yeah. No, I feel that, that's like, not what it's about. Especially if you're fucking recording like rock and roll, it's like, it thrives off chaos. Yeah. So for everything to be so clinical in mm-hmm. the studio, when trying to record a fucking rock record, it's going to sound like I've said this before um, with a, a friend of mine's band that, uh, was a really good live band. Awesome live. Yeah. But every single time they recorded music, I always said, I just feel like somebody scrubbed my tongue with a Brillo pad. Mm. Like that's how like sterilized and just like. That's awful. Everything's just like, ugh. Like, yeah. you know, all flavors is completely rubbed off of it. But like you see them live and there's so much energy. But like the recordings, everything's all like tame and like very specifically trying to get like all the notes right. And like, you know, everything's just like very polished yeah it's like nobody wants this right you know if somebody's coming to you your rock and roll band they don't want the polish right they want some imperfections randomness is another thing like zeroing in on randomness in recordings like just things that couldn't be replicated like not everything be so quantized, you know, and pro tools. Oh, oh this effect, it's going to do this and it's going to keep repeating this. Have something that you can never re- repeat again. Yeah. Or, or just like, you know, the concept of ran- randomness goes right in hand in hand with the, the concept of chaos. It's kind of like ordering it. Like, like Brian, uh, Brian, you know, had a, has a stack of, of like flashcards. He calls uh, oblique strategies. And like, whenever you run into a wall, in the studio, you take one of these cards and it will just say like some new approach. And sometimes it'll be almost like a, like, what does this even mean? But like, okay, we're going to go with it today. Like the randomness in that of, and that will just like, you know, take you down. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause it's so easy. Like what you said of just wanting things to be so perfect, even if you're not consciously aware of that, like, Oh, I just want it to be good. Like, of course I would, I would lock in all these, tom hits so that they're exactly on time sure i'm gonna pitch correct the vocals sometimes that shit's tight but like yeah i think the ultimate determining factor for me is if if something is a good idea or not is how much time i'm dwelling on it right like if i have to spend more than x amount of time trying to make something work 
it's just not going to work. Right. And then it becomes clinical. Then I start trying to like figure out like why this one thing isn't working. It's like sometimes things are just not going to work. Yeah. And you got to learn to let that go and yeah. just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Making something fast it's a, or, or at least like speedily enough where you're not, you're not dwelling in, in second guess, guessing yourself. I think that's the best way to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that going back to that self-production thing, it's so easy for somebody like me or you to just, you know, get that itch late at night and, you know, walk over to the computer right. and just like, I'm just going to check out this mix. I just want to listen to it real quick. You know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just going to listen to something. And then, you know, next the, thing you know, it's 930 in the morning. <laughs> right. And you're like, well, I got nowhere. Right. That's okay. Damn. <laughs> yeah. This actually sounds worse than it did earlier. Right. What is your, do you have any sort of a, a boundary or a limit that you put on yourself when it comes to working on stuff? And uh, do you like try to like only focus on stuff at certain times? Do you try to be aware of how long you're working on stuff? Like when you're blo- like if you're on a session, you try to be like, oh, like I'm only going to do this for a couple hours and I'm going to step away from it. One of my or you just let it go. One of my favorite producers, Daniel Lanois. He, he is this wants, another quote? Yeah, this is Hell another quote. Yeah. <laughs> I, full of quotes. I have a new book coming out. It's quotes. <laughs> just just quotes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he said, when you're in the studio, put your head down, make a masterpiece, and go on with your life. You know? Because that's why you're making it, is to go on with with your life with it made and so you could be like hey i made this album so for me the way the way that i i I try to like uh live by that is have a set time like almost like a you know i'm gonna record from nine to one or something like that and then that's it but do it every you know like a work day or something like that yeah sure because that's a complaint i hear about a lot of the times it's like people are like yeah, I want to make this album, but uh, I have a job. Like, how am I going to do this? And I'm like, well, how else would you do it if you didn't have a job? You know what I mean? You just have to steal the time, basically. Everybody has the same amount of hours. Yeah, compromise and if, yeah, patience. If you have to sacrifice, wake up, yeah, you can. If you have to wake up at five in the morning before work and record for three hours or mix or you know three hours before you go to bed and not do anything, like I'm not going out i'm not hanging out with people i'm gonna that's what you got to do yeah it's like if you want to make this you want to make this happen you have to do the it's impossible to make any art it's impossible and like on the on on its face like impossible it's a it's impossible ridiculous notion of like when there's so much going on in the world so many things to like you know just just be aware of and 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 uh that that concerns everybody like nothing's more ridiculous it's you know that your your ego tells you or like the devil on your shoulder that like man i gotta make this album but like why like i have all these other things to do but you have to you have to break through that Mm -hmm. and if you are in it and you are like doing it this is something i've been telling people a lot recently it's just like like if it doesn't if everything doesn't work out 100 percent how you want it to it's okay for things not to work out because like what we're trying to do is so completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like creating something from nothing, making art, putting it out into the world and expecting other people to give a fuck about it. Right. Like that is fucking crazy. That it's not normal. 
it may be normal to us in a sense because like maybe over the years we've surrounded ourselves with other creative people that are in bands and doing mm-hmm. their own things right but like for like the normal outside world what we do is not fucking normal so like the reality check of just like okay like this is fucking crazy but I'm doing this, but it's okay if it doesn't like work or I'm not going to get rich or, you know, yeah. not going to buy a car for it. It's okay. Like this is fucking crazy. And those sort of things, when people make it happen, like it's an, it's a, such a statistical abnormality for those things to happen. It's not impossible, but if I think that's, if I think if you're in this for the statistical abnormalities, I think that that can be really toxic to like your yeah. art in the long run. Yeah. You just, you can't compromise. I get, so fucking annoyed like so much like there's all these like you know local music people that are always complaining about their spotify streams like we're not making money on spotify and it's just like shut up (laughs) in the words of drake (laughs) you're worried about your followers you need to get your dollars up (laughs) another quote (laughs) i thought i told myself no more quotes but drake dude drake walked in the room and it's so funny yeah it's just like yeah it's there was somebody in particular it was like yeah we made like no money on spotify and i went and looked at their page and they had like four monthly listeners it's just like and they released the last song they released was like two years ago yeah it's like that's fine if you don't have time to put out music or promote your spotify but like don't be out here like you're some struggling musician that's really working it day to day your heart is trying to make that dollar and you're not getting a check from spotify (laughs) like shut the fuck up right like we don't i mean like my bands have like made hundreds of dollars off of spotify and like that's not a whole lot of money in the grand scheme of things but like that's hundreds of dollars cool that's like what i would expect based off of the amount of people that have listened to our things on the internet Mm mm-hmm it seems normal to me, you know, it's, it's like, especially for whatever the rate is per play, yeah. which is like, I think it's different. Probably. Um, I think it's different for different artists. I think that obviously being a, um, an end up like I'm basically my own distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, so there isn't like a weird thing where like, you're a, an artist that's signed because you'll see those things about like, oh, like some artist that's signed to a label is not making any money off of Spotify. But it's like, well, they're not the ones uploading it. Their label is. So right. they're getting like a percentage of a percentage of a percentage from a, you know, so it gets, it's just like, it's a very small thing that gets dwindled down. Right. But I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Like if that's what you're concerned about, it's like everybody's complaining. It's just like, you want to make money on Spotify, release more music. Yeah. It's and like, promote it. I, Instead of saying we're not making money on Spotify, making it obvious that nobody gives a fuck about your music. Just make posts that say, Hey, check out my band on Spotify. Right. We have some music and we think it's really good and you'll like it. Yeah. And then maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. Instead of like, nobody's listening to us. Right. I think that, uh, it's like, the the power that the individual artist has or like a band to just like make somebody listen to it. like with a complaint like that i would say like would you want what it used to be before that you know where no one would hear you except if you were in the pipeline of sure. people that got somehow just randomly picked up you know you'd be down to just making like a cassette and like passing it around to people and maybe no one would hear it but the fact that like 
here we are now where where it's almost like music now is almost like for photography you know where everybody has the ability to do it and do it in a way that can be really well done that's that's so beautiful and oh yeah the opportunity that's i don't who, yeah, who cares I about could, yeah anything else it's could, about the about the product it, i could pull out my cell phone right now we could probably scream into it for 10 minutes take a creepy picture in the hallway and get picked up by some german noise label yeah by monday yeah all from our phone right here which if you want to start a noise project with me let me know i have nothing else to do right we're now. we're called the steel phantoms <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah boy so one thing that people um i want to dig into this because we, we were talking a little bit before about songwriting and like it really just boils down to making a good song yeah and i think we've been talking a little bit just about you know the, the spotify thing mm-hmm. it really I, again i think it just goes back into like people stress about uh not making money off spotify or people stress about yeah you know not getting their likes on uh facebook or you know i'm shadow banned on instagram or something like that because because nobody's interacting with their shit and they're making all of these conspiracy theory assumptions that like you know mark zuckerberg's out to get their fucking band page that has 400 likes it's like no maybe he's a reptoid maybe your band's just like not that great yet you're just not making good songs and that's why nobody's paying attention to you Mm -hmm. it's not that people aren't seeing what you or me are posting right it's just that you know it's like because like that's the thing people will think those things like well i could post a funny meme and it gets all these likes but if i post a song nobody listens to it right it's not like facebook is favoring your meme over the music it's just that people see that and they relate to it so they interact with it and then people see your song and it's just like, well, I don't like this or I don't care. So they're not going to interact with it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, social but, media is a medium in and of itself. It's like it's like in the 80s where all of a sudden you had to have a, a music video that spoke to people. Didn't really have anything to do with the music, you know, but like it's like it's like the TikTok of its era almost <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Sure. All of a sudden you had to like, oh, that that band's video. So it's its own beast and I, that's why I'm it's not for me. I think pe- I think it's too easy to get distracted with things that take you away from what makes your music important or to, important to you. Yeah. I should say. Um I mean I've fallen victim to that uh my own just being stressed out about you know trying to figure out how the how the algorithms work and yeah. you know what type of content i should be producing building a brand mm. if you will i've gotten caught up in all that shit it seems like a natural thing you know for somebody that's just trying to figure this out yeah you and want people to listen to you, you know? i figured out that like people just interact with my stuff the most whenever i'm just being myself and i'm not sweating the other shit yeah just Put out stuff when I can. Don't worry about posting every single fucking day. Just put out stuff when you can. Make sure that it's good. Take your time with it. And I don't know. I'm more proud of the stuff that gets thrown out into the world now as a result of my creativity. It's not just... It's just it's, otherwise, it just starts to become like desperate. and Yeah. It's just people barking and it noise. Like, and it, and it kind of like whenever you do finally have something really worthy to show... It's like all of these other things that you've been posting three times a day, every other day of the year have kind of devalued this now True. because people are so used to That's hearing from point. me all the yeah. time. It's like, well, is it better to just like stick your head out of the 
the gopher hole whenever you actually have something to say. Yeah. I don't know why I went with gopher hole. Hmm. That was just I can imagine it. That was just uh <laughs> that's gonna be the promo for my new album. Just like yeah. buy my record. And then go back down. Yeah, or like you should have the sleeve like be one of those like a gopher. Oh you know, hell yeah. Pull this tab and the gopher. Marketing. Marketing genius. I gotta copyright that. So we've hit our hour and I'm not really done talking to you quite yet. I had a thought the other night. Let's hear it. Um, and uh, I wrote this down and I was waiting for uh, the chance to share this with somebody that I thought would I could actually engage this conversation with. Mm-hmm. And this is really similar to a lot of things we've been talking about today. So I think you're the person, Dan. Cool. So I was at uh, a karaoke the other night. Mm-hmm. And I've always like, I guess I've subconsciously thought this, but I've never been able to like articulate how unimportant the verse of a song is until sitting in a karaoke room for like a good like four hours that I didn't want to be there, but I was just there. Big circumstances. I was just there. Yeah. And just watching people try to sing songs. Normal people, not musicians, just normal people try to sing songs. The majority of these people don't know the verse, Mm. but they love the song and they love, they know the chorus, right? Sometimes the bridge, but the verse is just so not important to people. Mm. And it started getting me thinking like, wow, like, yeah, like why not? And why are some of the best songs of all time songs that actually have memorable verses? Like they're like songs where like the verse is also a chorus. Mm hmm. Like Wannabe by the Spice Girls is an example of mine because it was sang that night. And I was like, this whole fucking song is a hook. Right. I know this entire song because everything in it's a hook. Right. It's been. Oh, that. <laughs> My boy Nikki can do that by memory at karaoke, which I've seen it brings the house down every yeah. time. But uh, yeah. So like thinking about that in terms of writing songs and it's something that I've been like focused on a lot more recently is just trying to figure out how to make every single part of the song a hook in a way, not like obnoxiously, not in a, it's been one week type of way, but I mean, can never be read. That's lightning in the bottle. uh, Yeah. (laughs) But you know, just in a sense where it's like every part of the song should be important. Like, you know, because like there are a lot of great songs, but they're actually just great hooks. Yeah. You know, that are hanging out with just like worthless worthless verses yeah especially a lot of like old 80s like hip-hop stuff they're like these like six and a half minute long songs it's like i can't believe the song is still going yeah <laughs> like this is fucking crazy yeah but um i don't know what are your thoughts i think that that comes down to the melody the strength of a really good melody like uh like imagine by john lennon or whatever like the the every part of it's the melody is brilliant you could just take that out and listen to it that one one line at any given point and it's beautiful and it and it grabs you something about melodies melodies are so mysterious and how powerful they are and i think all the great songs have melodies that are somehow grab you and 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 then the great songs have melodies where the lyrics are almost like part and parcel of the of the of the music too in a weird another mysterious way i was thinking about that earlier when you had mentioned doing poetry and how like it felt different from writing songs yeah 
and uh, my thought that didn't get brought up, but it is now, is in the sense that, yeah, because sometimes when you're writing a song, it's like the music almost inspires a lyric that you would have never thought of because you have like a very specific chord progression or something that makes you think of a phrase or a topic that you wouldn't have thought of without it. Yeah. And then meanwhile, with poetry, it's more like, you know, it's more transparent. You just kind of have your thoughts and the paper or the tablet or whatever you're writing. Yeah. On. Yeah. The strength of the rhythm, which is strength in and of itself, which like, you know, with poetry, you can, you can lean on that. But in, in songs, it's the melody itself. Plus the rhythm adds another dimension to it. You know, so I think that, uh, yeah, for, for me, a great song, it's great from start to finish and it grabs you at any given point. And speaking of karaoke, I uh, never do Red Red Wine by UB40 because of that. There's a whole like rap verse that I didn't know existed. <laughs> and I've made a fool out of myself, you know, many times. I didn't just, you know, fool me once kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you get fooled multiple times when it comes to karaoke. Red, red, why do you make me feel so fun? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to sell it. You know? I always forget how long Rock Lobster is until I do karaoke. <laughs> also, uh, let's get it on. Don't do that. Okay. Because there's a lot of like, Ow! you know. Yeah. You, you got to commit to that. You have to just like, you know, your ego has to just you can't bring it in with it you have to be a different person you have to serve the song uh-huh i uh i've had some really great karaoke experiences because i take it very seriously sure and uh, i've done it in a while but one time the same nikki that i talked about who did the uh the bare naked ladies yeah he uh he and i used to do doubles we uh rock and roll all night party every day kiss hell yeah and then uh circle of life the lo- the full okay he does the intro and we just trade off verses one time we were at nico's any given night any given sunday you know yeah out there on the field doing our thing <laughs> just just trying to sell it just trying trying to bring it home putting it all in and at one point i don't really remember consciously thinking about doing this but uh i was on the table and just all in and i hear a whisper in my ear and it's one of the uh one of the employees get off the table i'm gonna throw you out i didn't have time to say sir i have to sell this song i have to i almost have them i could they're in my hand i had to get off the table sometimes you have to get off the table in life (laughs) yeah Sometimes sure. getting getting off the table. Oh, I, I was I was like really hoping that you were just gonna, you know, uh, this was gonna all loop around into a thing where you didn't get off the table and then you got kicked out and that's why you haven't done karaoke in a while because you refused. I hung up. I hung up my shoes after that. No, no, no. <laughs> I've been back. I do uh, Roxanne. Oh, yeah. That's my. That's a good go-to. Uh, Zeppelin, things like that. So. Wrapping things up. Yes. Uh, we could fucking... I we could, could probably, go all night. I, I, could, I could probably chat with you for like four hours. Yeah. But I... I uh, on topic, I have some mixes at the house that I need to get back to. All right. You know, you know yeah. how it goes. 
Yep. No, I'm finishing up pre-production on a new album, baby. <laughs> Got to get that done before I do this Kennywood vlog. I can only do so, do do so much at once. Man. Yeah, you don't want to you know yeah. back things up. Got to got to shit out this record so I could do the important work and talk about the the Thunderbolt. Get down AKA the, the Pippin. The Pippin. You know, spitting some knowledge out there yeah. for these oh. for these people. But people, the kids out there are like, what? <laughs> some kids are like, the, the hell is that? Uh-huh. I know. And Scotty Pippen. <laughs> um, dude, I don't even know where to go from this point. Uh, where can people find your music? <laughs> Bandcamp. DanKoshu.Bandcamp.com got one of them facebook accounts facebook.com slash see it's hate social media uh slash dan koshut any Uh, any uh upcoming gigs or anything well i just played one on the 20th hell yeah uh january 20th that is yo yeah man it was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a blast i was on cmu no nobody told you to get off the table there no 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 WRCT, I played there on January 20th, 2020. But my next gig is... is that what's uh, that the advanced calculus thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout outs to Sean Cho. There he is. The only person who have asked to do the podcast that has said no, besides Manny Thiner, but he doesn't count because One it's day. Manny Thiner. One day. <laughs> they should both do it. I haven't... Oh, God. That would be fucking great. Manny Thiner... A two-parter. Been, well, actually, yeah, I'm not going to say it. Anyways, um... I haven't seen Sean in a while, so I've seen him in a minute too. Well, yeah. I saw him. Next time I see him, maybe I'll ask him again. Maybe he'll agree. Yeah, it's been a couple of years since I've asked him. It's been, it's been, <laughs> yeah. February twenty first at Spirit. Nice, and uh, so this is a Dan Koshut show. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap this up with this. Yes, as a. <laughs> let's wrap up this conversation with a question with that's more probably going to take 10 minutes to talk about um as a solo artist who you know writes and records and produces all this stuff what is the live experience like for you do you have like a band of friends that play with you yeah how's that go i have uh uh nikki it's been <laughs> on the synth mm-hmm. uh nikki flowers uh on the synth Ian Edwards on bass. He used to be in Pet Clinic and uh, is one of my favorite bass players in the world. Um, incredible. All these, all these guys, it's like I'm so honored to, to have them in, in my band. And then uh, my buddy uh, Seth Chizik, also known as Goose, uh, on the drums. So Cool. Yeah. You like, um, whenever you're playing, are you um, out live? Are you very much like a play these songs the way that I play them or you're fucking fired or are you very much just like a get it close enough and it'll be fine. You mean the other people? Yeah. The other people in the band? I let them do their thing. Yeah. I like to I don't like to over uh, rehearse. I just let them rise to the occasion and be them. And I love I, they're honestly some of my favorite mu- musicians in the world. Not only favorite people and, and some of my best friends. I'm happy to say but I just love what they do and I want to give them space to to you know do their unique yeah style. I think that that's important when you're working with other people. I too have a solo project and I too 
write, record, produce the majority of the material. Um, but now that I've had like the same backing band for a while and this album that we're working on now, they're actually like writing and recording with me. Um, just because, um, I mean, I got involved with them because I respected them as people and as musicians and they have really cool ideas Mm -hmm. and the stuff that they brought to the table on songs that I had written, like stuff that they had changed for the live environment. I was like, whoa, I never would have thought of that. And now this stuff sounds so much cooler. Let's see what we can do in the studio. So now like we're doing all this stuff, but, uh, it was, I think that I'm glad that I wasn't like some crazy control freak and that I let them do that because it really just opened things up. Yeah, you can hear that. You can hear when it's one person, even if it's somebody playing all the instruments or whatever, multi-tracking it. it. Has a different vibe and I don't I can't explain it. I wish I could, but there really is a different vibe. And sometimes you want that vibe, sometimes you don't. But I'm just saying it's a totally different vibe and it's really cool. It sounds more human it, or in a different way. Yeah. Just as human but in its own its own imperfectly more, human uh, way. More dynamic, more diverse. Yeah. More delicious. More delicious. Yes. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. Dan Koshut, thank you for being here, my friend. You can keep beatboxing if you would like to. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. I haven't decided if I... Here, let's... Have you decided if you're going to say 2020 or 2020? When talking about the year, I'm all f- fucked up with that because because it, it used to be 2019. Whoop whoop! Thanks for listening. Now, do I say 2020? Whoop whoop! Or do I say 2020? Whoop whoop! I kind of like if it's a little bit of 2020. Whoop whoop! 2020. 2020. Whoop whoop! Thanks for 2020. Listening. 2020. That's, that sounds more formal. Like yeah. oh man, the cops just came. Yeah. Hmm. 2020 that sounds more street like 2020 thanks for listening i guess excellent (laughs) and we're done goodbye (laughs) good night and good luck